Good evening and welcome to Resistance TV. It's uh, Wednesday the 27th of September and I'm your host for this evening, Sean Bloor. I'm just standing in for Chris Williamson while he's, uh, he's away this week. So tonight we're going to be talking about net zero and we had a recent communication from the Prime Minister last week where he talked about changing net zero and delaying it for um, a 10 years. So tonight we're going to be talking to Peter Ford. His Excellency was a previous diplomat and he was the British ambassador to um, Syria and uh, Bahrain. Uh, so we're very pleased to have Peter with us uh, and hopefully later on we'll be joined by Piers Corbyn who was the brother who is the brother of Jeremy Corbyn uh, he was offered uh, he was awarded a first class uh, BSc degree in physics um, and uh, is also graduated with a master's in astrophysics um, so he's a very smart man and he's been talking about net zero and the climate and weather for, for many many years now so I'd first of all like to welcome on to um, the platform is Peter. Good evening, Peter. How are you this evening? Uh, good evening, Sean. I'm delighted to be with you on uh, Resistance uh, TV. Um, I, I feel I am part of the resistance. Um, much of the time I've been underground, but now I'm surfacing <laughs> and um, all, all systems go. Okay, so I just want to first of all talk about um, a proposal that you made to the Workers' Party of Britain and it was to do with a referendum uh, for net zero. Um, I've got the, um, I have the, let me just, just bear with me a second, I'll see if I can get this up on screen. Okay, so hopefully uh, people, the audience can see that. Um, so we we have the uh, the net zero referendum. So I'm just going to read this out and then we'll have a chat about why you felt it was necessary to propose this motion. So uh, it's um, so the why, why, why is this um, been proposed? It's an idea whose time has come. Labour and Tory alike have failed to speak up for the millions of workers and businesses who have concerns. Many proposals have been antisocial, work harming and unpractical. Costly net zero measures come at a time when millions are going without life's essentials. How would it work? Simple, the resolution to be put to the vote would be this. The Climate Act of 2008, as amended in 2019, committing the government to achieving net zero by 2050 should be maintained. Do you agree? It is not a referendum on net zero itself or even the target of 2050 for achieving it. It is not remotely near climate denial. So why support us? Millions think net zero is going too far, too fast. Let's open up the debate on protecting workers' jobs, rights and freedoms. The main political parties are all varying shades of green. They offer no real choice. They all want net zero on the unrealistic timescale of 2050. The referendum gives you a chance to say no to the political establishment. But what about the climate emergency? We all agree on the urgent need for clean water, fresh air and the protection of the environment and animals. We need a debate across society on how we go about this. Sustainable solutions begin with social measures, better public transport, support for families and business, 
not LCNs, lithium mines or corporate greenwashing. The referendum gives voters a chance to endorse Theresa May's 2019 decision to make the 2050 targets a legal obligation. The referendum gives industry the space to raise open, openly concerns over the durability and performance of new green products and building materials. The failure to manage these risks threaten new tragedies like Grenfell. Following a snap survey of our supporters on Telegram and social media, a fair cross-section agree would be good for the Workers' Party of Britain to promote the idea of a referendum on net zero. This was taken to and discussed in full at the Party National Members' Council on Tuesday the 25th of July. A draft proposal was discussed by the National Members' Committee and unanimously agreed. The objective is to encourage a proper two-sided discussion of the issues and pursue our core aim of fairness for working people. Now, Peter, what, why did you um, think it was necessary to, to bring that to, um, to a motion? Well, the, the politicians can't be trusted, even when they say they want to um, go slow or slower on net zero, uh, they speak with a forked tongue. Uh, they certainly can't be trusted to have the, the willpower uh, or possibly even the capacity uh, to be able to change the legislation. And changing the legislation is absolutely crucial. Um, because this country is uh, recklessly committed by law to deliver these series of targets for achieving net zero by 2050. Uh, governments can be hauled before judges if they fail to meet these targets. And there are a series of complex uh, interim targets. Um, so even if a government, a sensible government, <laughs> some hope we have of that, but even if we had a sensible government, their hands would be tied. They could not. They would be prevented by law from being sensible about net zero. Um, and th th there's no hope that left to their own devices, they will uh, call for a referendum. They will have to be forced to accept a referendum. Does this remind you about something else big that happened a few years ago, Brexit? Yes, yeah. it is exactly the same. The structure of the situation is the same. The people want to put an end to a, a, a reckless enterprise, whether it was an ever closer union of Europe or an ever closer uh, approach to economic suicide. Um, and the people must have their say. You can't leave it to the politicians. And as happened with Brexit, wh why did the politicians agree to a referendum when all the party, all the main parties, were against having a referendum? Well, they did it because of Nigel Farage uh, invented a new party, the Brexit party, that threatened to split the Tories. We must follow similar, not, not, not identical, but follow a similar strategy with our referendum. We need to galvanize public opinion and present the referendum in the end as the Tories' only hope of ever being re-elected. So the idea is to force uh, Sunak 
to put a referendum into the Tory manifesto. It will be his, his, his last desperate hope of being thrown out by Starmer. And we know that if Starmer gets in, then workers can um, kiss goodbye to their gas boilers, to their petrol cars. They're going to be poorer, colder, and more miserable. So the, the referendum is the way forward. Um, what did you did you watch the Prime Minister's speech on Net Zero this week, Peter? What did you think of it? Uh, superficially, it, it sounded uh, pleasing. Uh, here he was uh, uh, recognizing that uh, ordinary people were going to suffer um, the way things were were going, and and this uh, had to be uh, uh, the brakes uh, applied. Uh, and so he, he delayed, delayed two uh, key targets uh, put back by five years, the target of going all electric for sales of new cars and five years back to 2035 uh, for being able to buy a new gas boiler. Um, well, it's only five years. It's only a stay of execution. And in, in the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, things are happening that make it meaningless. Just today, I read that the government are applying pressure to um, the gas to to, to um, boiler manufacturers, uh, more pressure to uh, bring in uh, heat pumps and not sell gas boilers. So that oh, we'll we'll come back to that in a second, uh, Peter. I'm just going to play um, for those for those people who are watching. Uh, for the, they may not have seen the prime minister's speech, so I'm just going to play uh, a few clips of that. And uh, the prime minister does talk about um, the uh, the heat pumps, and he does talk about electric cars, which is quite interesting. Well, first, so let's have a look at this we need video. To I hope the it's the uh, let's just uh, let me just get this set up. Do that. Okay. What is our new approach to achieving net zero? Well, first, we need to change the debate. We're stuck between two extremes. Those who want to abandon net zero altogether because the costs are too high, the burdens too great, or in some cases, they don't accept the overwhelming evidence for climate change at all. And then there are others who argue with an ideological zeal we must move even faster and go even further, no matter the cost or disruption to people's lives, and regardless of how much quicker we're already moving than any other country. Both extremes are wrong. Both fail to reckon with the reality of the situation. Yes, net zero is going to be hard and will require us to change. But in a democracy, we must also be able to scrutinize and debate those changes, many of which are hidden in plain sight in a realistic manner. I'm just going to pause it there, Peter, because he says um, that we need to be able to debate this. As far as I'm concerned, you know, for us, the general public of, of Britain, there has been no de debate uh, on net, net zero. We've not had a say um, in in net zero or the goals that they've put forward. All of this has been taken out of our hands, hasn't it? 
Exactly. Um, we haven't had a, a say. Um, you, among the political, the main political parties, you can have green, greener or greenest. Well, I want brown, like lots of other people. You can't have brown. That's not on the agenda of the establishment. Uh, that's how we have to try, try to bypass this green monopoly on, on power by by uh, producing our own people power with a referendum. People power is the, the only way we can beat or stand a chance of beating the establishment as happened with Brexit. In, in, in 20, the 2017 uh, election uh, that Jeremy Corbyn al almost uh, won, uh, the Tories were promising in their manifesto Nothing about uh, more net zero. In fact, they said they were going to allow fracking. That was That's a lie. That's right, they did, yes. That was, a, that was a lie. They said nothing about tightening up the targets for net zero. No, we've been taken uh, into all this, not, not just on a, a false prospectus. We didn't have a prospectus at all. That's right. Well, let's carry on for a little bit now. So that's the first sort of part of the weasel words that uh, jumped out at me. This debate needs more clarity, not more emotion. The test should be, do we have the fairest credible path to reach net zero by 2050 in a way that brings people with us? Since I've become prime minister, I've examined our plans and I don't think they meet that test. We seem to have defaulted to an approach which will impose unacceptable costs on hard-pressed British families, costs that no one was ever really told about, and which may not actually be necessary to deliver the emissions reduction that we need. I think I agree with him there, Peter. Do you agree with that statement? Uh, yes, up, up to that point. Um, no one really could, could argue with, with that, but the, the devil is in the, the detail. Absolutely. And, and that's detail that he's not given us in this uh, in this speech. Uh, apparently it's to come, but whether we'll actually hear about what's to come or whether it'll be hidden from us is, is another question. And why am I confident in saying that? Because over the last decade or more, we've massively over-delivered on every one of our carbon budgets, despite continuous predictions we'd missed them. We've seen rapid technological advances which have made things like renewables far cheaper. Just consider offshore wind, where costs have fallen by 70% more than we projected in 2016. And people are increasingly choosing to go green. Look at how demand for electric vehicles has consistently outstripped forecasts. Now, given all these things, I'm confident that we can adopt a more pragmatic, proportionate and realistic approach to meeting net zero that eases the burdens on working people. And that's the second part of our new approach. So how are we gonna do it, I'm not it, saying she? there will be no hard choices, and nor am I abandoning any of our targets and commitments. I am unequivocal that we will meet our international agreements, including the critical promises in Paris and Glasgow to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees. 
Peter, have you got anything to? I, I was hoping Piers would be on by now because I'm sure he would have to say uh, have something to say about this 1.5 degrees. Where has this 1.5 degrees come from? We, we've so we've there's been agreements signed in Paris, and I assume when he says Glasgow, it's the COP um, summit uh, that he's talking about, and they've signed agreements that they will lower uh, the the warm global warming by one. 1.5 degrees. Where does that come from? Uh, it was plucked from the air. It was plucked uh, from the air. It wasn't based on any serious science. It was based on modeling, uh, which is notoriously uh, poor uh, as a way of, of doing science. Uh, garbage in into the model, garbage out. Well, we um, saw that during... Um... The pandemic didn't we exactly exactly <laughs> um the, the the reality i saw the, the figure just today um for over the last 25 uh, years the the temperature the average temperature in the world has risen by less than half a percent so even talking about one and a half percent is nonsense it's not going to happen uh in any case uh, temp world temperature uh, history teaches us fluctuates. It's nothing to worry about. It goes up and down because of the um, oscillation uh, of the, the movement of the earth vis-a-vis -vis the sun, uh, ocean currents, very, very um, important. Uh, natural uh, uh, variations, um, cyclical, um, periodic, um, there is no reason to be terrified by the, 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 the scaremongering. But can I just go, go back to, on a point of detail about what Sunak was, was, was saying there, yeah. um, promising um, to um, ease the burden on, on uh, ordinary people because we're already meeting our targets. We're so successful uh, uh, selling electric cars. Well, who's buying these electric cars? Not ordinary folk, because we can't afford them. 75% of new sales of electric cars are company cars. Company cars. Because they can afford it. Ordinary folk can't. A company can afford it. Why? Because they can pass on the cost to us, to you and me, and all the people watching. It's not the company that pays it because they can pass it on. We yeah. can't pass it on when we buy an electric car. The buck stops with us, as, as does all this promised investment. When they say investment in new technologies, they don't mean that companies are going to invest this money. No, it's government money. In other words, our money. This is going to be the most... This development of new technology is going to be a massive steal from theft from the ordinary public to rich capitalists. Um, but I, I interrupted. And, and of course, the um, it's, it's going to cost thousands of pounds per household, isn't it? Um, I can't remember the figure that was put on it, but it's going to cost us thousands of pounds per household to uh, to meet the government's targets, not not something that we've actually voted for. Um, I'm just going to fast forward this slightly. 
to his next point. The single biggest commitment of its kind the UK has ever made. But we can do all of this in a fairer, better way. And today I can set out details of what our new approach will mean for people. That starts with electric vehicles. We're working hard to make the UK a world leader. I'm proud that we've already attracted billions of new investments from companies like Tata's Jaguar Land Rover Gigafactory. And I expect that by 2030, the vast majority of cars sold will be electric. Why? Because the costs are reducing, the range is improving, the charging infrastructure is growing. People are already choosing electric vehicles to such an extent that we're registering a new one every 60 seconds. But I also think that at least for now, it should be you, the consumer that makes that choice, not government forcing you to do it. Okay, so I think that reinforces the point that you just made, Peter, about um, electric vehicles. Um, and he says that uh, the government shouldn't be forcing us to do it. It should be our choice. But like you say, it's uh, it's mainly uh, company cars. Um, it's mainly people who uh, have company cars that are able to afford uh, to have electric vehicles. But there are other setbacks with electric, electric vehicles, isn't there? Um, you know, they, they say they want electric vehicles to um, to achieve less carbon. Now, I, I know that um, in the UK, we're only responsible for less than 1% of carbon within the Earth's atmosphere. So it's a very, very little um, that we're responsible for here in Britain. Our industry is, is pretty clean, really, um, in comparison to, to other countries and continents. Um, but uh, when it comes to electrical vehicles, um, have we got the necessary grid, electric grid um, and resources to be able to charge all these electric vehicles? Because this electricity has to come from somewhere. Um, and we know that um, there's very little of our electricity is generated by hydropower or by wind power. Um, when I looked at the Ofgem report, I think it was about 3% of our electricity comes from hydro and electric, uh, sorry, hydro and wind. Um, the majority of our uh, electricity comes from nuclear power stations and uh, North Sea gas and oil. Um, and we get very, very little um, oil and gas imported into it. We do, do import some, but very little from other countries. Um, and the other thing, um, so, so when we're generating all this new electricity to charge these electric cars, um, these power plants, these electric power plants um, will be giving off carbon because we still have um, fossil fuel um, electricity power stations, don't we, Peter? Um, well, the, their plans, these eco fanatics, that includes the government, still, I would still call them eco-fanatics, their plans simply cannot work. We don't have and will not have the grid for it. The, the, the grid is absolutely crucial, and it, it, a massive, massive increase in consumption of electricity it ca just cannot happen. Um, it, it would require putting the country on, onto a war footing, abandoning the, the NHS, uh, 
foreign policy, uh, every education, and putting all that money towards uh, building up the uh, the massive uh, power uh, grid. Um, in the meanwhile, uh, the fanatics say, "Oh well, we can we can bring it in by cable from other countries." Um, well, you can't. There are only two. Um, manufacturers in, in the world of this type of cable and they're booked up until about the year 2050. It cannot happen. It, it, it's pie in the sky. It's it, it, it totally unrealistic. But every step you take towards it is going to be painful for ordinary people. When they talk about massive investment in, in an expanded grid, what they mean is taxpayers' money. Yes. Not not the capitalist money, our government money, our money for for their virtue signaling with electric cars that won't even go very far anyway. Yeah, and then you know there's also the issue with the lithium batteries. Uh, my concern for some time has been the mining of lithium um, from other countries, mainly poor countries. Uh, whether we're paying um, the correct amount of money for lithium, whether we're ripping them off, whether it's slave labour that we're going to be using to to mine this lithium, and then when it comes to the end of the battery life, it can't be disposed of. It's very very difficult to dispose of lithium. Um, so so these are all issues um, that I have personally around um, electric cars. You know, this is not the panacea. This is not the answer um, to um, having cleaner air or um, less pollution in cities, um, as far as I'm concerned. What, what are your thoughts on that, Peter? I, I wouldn't have one if you paid me. I'd be terrified it was going to self-combust in my garage and it would fry me. <laughs> I mean, this, this, this is happening. This yeah. is happening. The, the, uh, some ferries do not allow electric cars on because of the fire risk. These uh, lithium batteries are very um, uh, combustible. Um, uh, you, you read of um, e-bikes exploding in people's garages. Well, cars do and buses do. A bus depot in, uh, in the southeast um, uh, several months ago went up in, in flames because one of the batteries on one of the buses that was charging uh, exploded. These are dangerous, which is why insurance costs are much higher with mm -hmm. electric cars. Okay, well, he's going to go on now to talk about heat pumps. So let's just hear what he says about these heat pumps. Now, to get to net zero, we also need a fairer, better approach to decarbonising how we heat our homes. We're making huge advances in the technologies that we need to do that, like heat pumps. But we need a balance between incentivising businesses to innovate so heat pumps become even cheaper, more effective and more attractive, but without imposing costs on hard-pressed families at a time when technology is often still expensive and won't work in all homes. For a family living in a terraced house in Darlington, the upfront cost could be around £10,000. Now, even the most committed advocates of net zero must recognise that if our solution is to force people to pay that kind of money, support will collapse and will simply... So, Peter, I don't know if you've heard about the, um, the energy bill that's uh, currently making its way through the House um, at the moment. 
And there's lots of talk about these um, heating pumps um, in houses. And there is a clause in there at the moment that says uh, that if people don't get a heating, uh, one of these heating pumps installed in their house by a certain time, then they could be they could be fined up to fifteen thousand pounds and face jail. Um, let me hear your thoughts about the the heating pump situation. Uh, yes, it's uh, it's outrageous. Uh, by hook or by crook, they want to force people to have these wretched heat pumps, which are not very efficient, and uh, it takes a whole day to heat a house where radiator ordinary radiators take five minutes um, and they're also vastly more expensive um, but Sunak uh, speaks with a forked tongue he wants to have the benefit of appearing to relax the target but meanwhile his officials are ordering the companies that make uh, uh, gas uh, heating uh, threatening them with a fine of £5,000 for each new gas boiler that they install because they should be installing heat pumps. Now, a, a company can only afford such a, a, a fine if they pass the cost on to the consumer. So even though you have a theoretical choice still of having a gas boiler rather than a heat pump, the price will be £5,000 more than you expected. It, it, it is devious in the extreme of Sunak to go, go on pretending that he's actually making an important concession when his officials are clawing it back immediately. And how energy efficient are these heat pumps? Because presumably they run on electric. That, uh, that, that's right. Um, they, they claims are, are made, claims are made, it's difficult to know. But the, the important thing is that they don't heat enough. They, they may be cheaper to run, but they simply don't get the house warm. <laughs> so however much they are used, they will not raise the temperature of the house enough. You'll still be cold. Yeah. You'll still need to plug in an electric heater, which is vastly more expensive than, than a, having a gas boiler. Mm. It, 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 it's not going to save, uh, certainly not going to save money, on the contrary, and it's not going to save on electricity, uh, and people are going to be cold and miserable. Okay, let's just hear a little bit more. Simply never get there. So I'm announcing today that we will give people far more time to make the necessary transition to heat pumps. We'll never force anyone to rip out their existing boiler and replace it with a heat pump. You'll only ever have to make the switch when you're replacing your boiler anyway, and even then, not until 2035. So he's saying that we will have to have heat pumps at some point. Uh, yeah, he, he lied there. He said, you're not going to be forced. And then in the next breath, he said, after 2035, you'll have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, if that's not forcing you, uh, the English language is clearly not his first language.
and to help those households for whom this will be the hardest, I'm introducing a new exemption today so that they will never have to switch at all. Now, this doesn't mean I'm any less committed to decarbonising our homes. Quite the opposite. But rather than banning boilers before people can afford the alternative, we're going to support them to make the switch. I'm announcing today that the boiler upgrade scheme, which gives people cash grants to replace their boiler, will be increased by 50% to £7,500. There are no strings attached, the money will never need to be repaid, and this is one of the most generous schemes of its kind in Europe. Peter, what, what are your thoughts on what he's just said there? Because he's saying, oh, you know, we're going to give you £7,500. Well, if it's going to cost you between ten pounds and £15,000 to fit a heat pump into your house, then... Um, which is extremely more expensive than a gas boiler. Um, we had to have a new gas boiler fitted in our house, which is a semi-detached. Um, and uh, I think we paid about two and a half thousand pounds for the, for a new gas boiler. Um, so he's saying that, yeah, we'll give you seven and a half thousand pounds for, for a heat pump. Um, but you're still going to have to find, you know, either three and a half thousand pounds or or more. Uh, well, I'd like to recall wh whose money is this? This, this is, is, is this Rishi Sunak, billionaire, going to give us the, the seven and a half thousand pounds or, or whatever? No, it's our own money. Taxpayers' money he's talking about. It's not government money, it's our money paying ourselves. Uh, it, almost every sentence he uttered there was, was misleading and devious. Uh, they're, they're using our money to bribe us to have these heat pumps. And uh, as I just mentioned, they're using other techniques. They're, they're putting pressure on the companies to raise the price of uh, gas uh, boilers so that in reality... Your theoretical choice is just that, theoretical. You'll have to go with heat pumps because they might be a, a tiny bit less expensive than, than gas boilers, which will have had the price increased arbitrarily, yes. yeah. unnecessarily. It's all, yeah. it's all smoke and mirrors. And in fact, the, some of the green fanatics, there's an outfit called the uh, Green Alliance. Their executive director said the other day, Folks, don't get over-worried about what Sunak's uh, offering. It's all smoke and mirrors anyway. Well, that, for once, he spoke the truth, this echo fanatic. Um, it's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah, absolutely. So he goes on to talk about energy efficiency. Um, just want to tell the chat, if you've recently joined us, we're talking about net zero, we're talking about the prime minister's recent um, announcement into uh, changing uh, the net zero policies that they introduced some time ago. And he's trying to make out that we're going to get a better deal out of it. Uh, so we're questioning that today with, with Peter Ford. Um, we're hoping that Piers Corbyn will be able to join us at some, some point. I know he's trying to connect at the moment, uh, but I think he's having some technical difficulties. But in the meantime, if you have a question that you want to put to uh, Peter, 
please put it in the chat and we'll come to it uh, in, in about 10 minutes time. Um, so keep talking and uh, if you can just highlight your question with a, a letter Q um, so we can, it's easier for me to see, that would be great. Um, and if you could put a, a like, if you could click the, uh, the like button, that would be fantastic because it helps to push our stream out into um, the algorithm and it really helps because we are being beaten by censorship at the moment and uh, YouTube are not pushing our channel at all. We've been on air for over three years now and uh, we, we need to keep pushing our messages out there and it really helps if you click the like button or you subscribe to our channel. Okay, so we're going to go on now where he talks about energy efficiency. So let's hear what he has to say about that. And finally, we can't tackle climate change without protecting nature and vice versa. Just the loss of forests alone accounts for the equivalent of 10 times the global emissions of the entire United Kingdom. And in the coming weeks ahead of my attendance at COP28, I will set out the next stage in our ambitious environmental agenda. So in conclusion, this country is proud to be a world leader in reaching net zero by 2050, but we simply won't achieve it unless we change. We're now going to have a better, more honest debate about how we get there. We'll now have a more pragmatic, proportionate and realistic approach that eases the burdens on families, all while doubling down on the new green industries of the future. In a democracy, that's the only realistic path to net zero. Consent, not imposition. Honesty, not obfuscation. Well, that's a lie right there, isn't it, Peter? You know, it's, <laughs> it's laughable. It's absolutely laughable. It, it, it's about manufacturing consent. Yes. About manipulating and being devious about how they apply the, the pressure uh, he's clearly got, got the message that uh, the present uh, course is, is suicidal for any, any government and the people, uh, they have to ease back or appear to ease back on, on the throttle because people are not all stupid. Uh, but it's all still in pursuit of the same end. He, he's pursuing the, the strategy of the, the boiling frog the, the frog in, 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 the, the, in the cup of tepid water and they turn up the heat and the frog doesn't realise it's being boiled alive. Well, that's us. Yeah. He's hoping, yeah. They're hoping to be more successfully devious about it so we don't realise that we're being fleeced and uh, forced into poverty. Absolutely. Uh, Diana says, uh, Sunak's thinking up scams for corporation to make dosh out of replacing stuff that works with new stuff that's useless. And uh, Kira says, um, it's like re he's reading a fairy tale. And uh, Tig said, uh, it's a disingenuous word salad. Totally agree with all of you in the chat. Pragmatism, not ideology. That's how we'll turn the challenge of net zero into the greatest opportunity and the proudest achievement of our lifetimes. And this is just the start. What we begin today is bigger than any single policy or issue. We are going to change the way our politics works. 
we are going to make different decisions. We won't take the easy way out. There will be resistance, but we will meet it because I am determined to change our country and build a better future for our children. Nothing less is acceptable. Now, later on, somebody asks him, I don't know why my, um, my time tags that I put in have uh, are slightly different, but somebody asks him if there's going to be a referendum. And uh, let's listen to his answer on that. Oh, hang on, it's gone back. Uh... Upgrade our grid infrastructure and speed up connections to it. So I think any which way you look at it, you know, we're continuing to do the right things for business, whether it's investing in R&D to realize the benefits of innovation again that's something we can do better than almost anyone speeding up grid connections but most importantly you know providing the certainty and clarity that we have a path that is sustainable because it's going to be done with people's consent and i think that is something that they will prize above everything else but we haven't consented rishi uh, next we'll go to gb news Prime Minister, you mentioned there the unacceptable cost on hard-pressed british families how much will these changes save the average working family and you talk about consent why not put net, net zero by 2050 to a referendum with the rich people? Well, when it comes to the costs, I think you're absolutely right to highlight them. And that's why I've taken the decision that I've taken, because some of the things that were being proposed would have cost typical families upwards of five, ten, fifteen thousand pounds. It obviously it depends on the type of property you live in, but you know, for some people off the gas grid. Oops, don't know what happened there. Just bear with me, I apologise for that. I was just trying to look at the chat and it's jumped off. Gaz, this isn't uh, this isn't working out at the moment. Let me try it one more time. No, I think we'll uh, leave that there. It's uh, it keeps jumping back to the big the beginning, um, but basically um, the. Reporter from uh, GB News asks him if there's going to be a referendum and Rishi Sunak laughs and he says, no, of course not. I think we've had enough of them, don't you? Um, obviously referring to uh, to Brexit. Um, unfortunately, um, I don't think Piers is going to be able to join us. He's having technical difficulties with his phone, Peter. Um, so uh, what, what do you think about his, his answer to the, the referendum? Um, no, we've had enough of referendums. And yet all the way through his speech, he's talking about consent and uh, democracy and uh, all these weasel words. Yes, well, what, what I 
find interesting is that he he's not categorically ruling it out. He just, uh, from what you, the way you described it, just uh, shrugged, shrugged off uh, the question. Uh, because he knows, it must be at the back of his mind, that ultimately it might be his last chance to retain power. If, if the Tories appear to be heading for certain defeat, he'll have to pull a, a rabbit out of the hat. And a referendum could be just that. I mean, we have to be realistic. The referendum is not going to happen on the Starmer. <laughs> oh really no, we'll be. we'll come on to what Labour's response laughable. was to that uh, to that laughable. speech in a second. It, 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 so it it will only happen if Sunak sees it as being in, in his interest to promise one and go into the election making an offer that Labour cannot match which will be popular, like Brexit was popular. It won the Tories the, the election that got Boris Johnson eventually in, into power. They, they promised uh, Brexit and they were rewarded with, with power. This could happen with what I call Zexit, exit from net zero, Zexit. Um, but uh, what I liked about a word of praise believe it or not, a word of praise for Sunak there, because of what he didn't say. What he didn't say was that it's all going to involve a lot of wonderful new green jobs. There's going to be massive investment. Workers are going to be uh, uh, given loads of new wonderful green jobs. This is what Starmer says. But quite significantly, I thought, um, Sunak didn't uh, try to claim that, it, that these new technologies would create new jobs, because they won't. It's, that is a, a real fairy tale. We had a concrete example of that two weeks ago with the announcement about a Tata Indian company investment in South Wales, a new car plant. It, they boasted that this would create, I think, 4,000 uh, new jobs, uh, and the government had only have, had to bribe the, the Indian company with, was it 200 million pounds of our money? What they didn't tell you was that 3,000 jobs were going to be cut. So that means that we, the taxpayer, would be paying 200 million pounds of our money to cut 3,000 jobs just so that 4,000 new green jobs could be created. That is what green jobs means, decimating the present workforce for mythical gains. Mm -hmm. And I think Sunak is preparing to attack Starmer on this front because he knows the truth. That's why he didn't make promises about new green jobs. Gaz, can we tee up the uh, the Labour Party response, please? 
Well, with me now is the Shadow Minister for Industry and Decarbonisation, uh, Sarah Jones. Uh, good to talk to you this morning. morning. Uh, the Prime Minister has made it very clear what he thinks we should be doing in order to still meet our, our net zero commitments. Let's be clear about Labour's. If, if you're elected, oh. would, would a Labour government move back the date for the banning of new petrol and diesel cars to what we thought it was until, until yesterday, 2030? Yes. Look, the Prime Minister doesn't get it. He's weak. He gives in to Liz Truss as soon as she speaks. What he doesn't get is that net zero is the biggest economic opportunity we have in the 21st century. We live in a country where we talk about former industrial heartlands. This is our chance to get rid of that label former and to bring jobs across the country and to cut bills. So Labour has a plan that will create jobs and cut bills. We're going to insulate millions of homes, so we're paying less for our energy. We're going to introduce eight gigafactories, which will turbocharge that uh, electric vehicle industry so that we can make them here and not rely on them uh, from other countries. We're going to set up a national wealth fund, which will invest alongside the private sector in all the industries that we need to see in the future. And we're going to have renewable, clean energy, which will make us stop being reliant on the likes of Putin for our energy. This is our one opportunity. Rishi Sunak has blown it. The government have blown it over 13 years. They haven't invested. The car industry has dropped in terms of employment by nearly 40% since 2010. Uh, the government has failed to negotiate with Europe. So there's a cliff edge coming on the 1st of January where the car industry is facing 10% tariffs uh, on sales, which is just going to destroy our UK car industry if the government doesn't get a grip. So this is weak, it's wrong, uh, and he has really thrown uh, industry under the bus. OK, so you, the Labour government would go back to the 2030 uh, uh, ban on diesel and petrol cars. What about the home installation rules, the dates for replacing boilers? Would they also go back to the, to the dates that the government had set for before yesterday? Look, when it comes to heat pumps... Um, it, the government has utterly failed to get us anywhere close to being able to meet this target. And that's just an admission of guilt from but, but the government. But what would a Labour government the do? Would they, would they, we know would you, we would are you not still tell people that they had to replace their boilers with heat pumps? Not, uh, not to those timescales, no. We know that the market is just not there on heat pumps. The government have failed. You need home insulation before you put in a heat pump. Home insulation has fallen by 90% since the government got into power. Labour would insulate people's homes, which would cut those bills. There is no market for heat pumps because the government hasn't created the incentives for one. Uh, and the, the grant system for these kind of things is all over the place. You just have to speak to anybody who's tried to apply for one. So that's an admission of failure. It's their failure. Uh, they Okay, okay, Peter. What are your thoughts on uh, on Labour? Um, well, a litany of, of lies and, and half uh, truths. Um, just to take the, the first example that comes to mind, uh, we need all, all this investment in new technology so we don't depend on Putin anymore. Well, that's a bald-faced lie. We never have <laughs> imported. I know. Um, significant quantities of Russian gas or oil. Never. So that, that is a total, totally misleading uh, statement. And then she was all over the shop. She wouldn't give a straight answer 
on on what they would do about the the target for for gas boilers and and still to this day even even after a week it's not clear what labor would do in that uh, regard so if you value your gas boiler <laughs> the message is is clear don't vote for starmer um <laughs> And then when she, she talks, I mean, who could object to insulation? Obviously sensible for an individual family. But who's going to pay for it? Us. Well, that's what Labour are saying. They're going to take more money off us, taxpayers, and give it back to us to, so we can afford uh, in, insulation. What's the sense in that? Just leave people with their money in the first place. Uh, Labour... Uh, a few months ago, announced that they were going to create a twenty-eight billion pound fund for all all this. Uh, until Starmer uh, realised this was a, a massive own goal, because people would realise that that was their own money, that was taxpayers' money they were talking about. So they've watered uh, that commitment down. But that is what is in store. He, they they let the cat out of the bag that we will be taxed, we're already taxed super heavily, but under Labour, that, that, that will, taxes will be astronomic. It will be the most massive transfer of wealth since the 17th century. Even worse than uh, the pandemic? Well, that, I mean, that's that, a huge that, transfer it will be of similar, wealth. Similar, it will be similar. Uh, to that, but greater in scale and more long-lasting because it, 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 it's open-ended. At least there was a, an end to the COVID hysteria, uh, but the climate hysteria just goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Right, Peter, I've got a few questions uh, for us. Um, so from Diana, uh, nice to see you tonight, Diana. We need planning that provides uh, with the option traveling less and using public transport when we do not need to travel that would save us dosh and lower emissions i mean when it comes to public transport um yes i agree with you um however my personal experience of public transport is we just don't have the infrastructure in place uh, to begin with um you know i live in i live in a, a village um the town is probably it's about a 20 20, 20 to 30 minute walk into the town center where i can then pick up a metro to get into manchester town center um but the bus service is terrible it's absolutely awful um peter what what would you say about the public transport um, it depends very much where, where you live. Um, in London, it's perfectly feasible to live without, without a car, uh, uh, maybe not in the suburbs, but in, in most of London, the public transport is really surprisingly excellent. Uh, but the majority of the, the country the is rural. I'm sorry? The, the majority of the country is is pretty rural um, in comparison, yes. you know. Yes, so. yes. It's, not, it's not practical for the vast majority of the country, but I see that our, uh, our viewer Diana is in favour of degrowth. Degrowth. That means we all get poorer, <laughs> lower economic activity. I'm afraid 
what she's advocating here is similar to the 15-minute cities that we've been protesting about. The establishment want to corral us into these uh, ghettos so that we don't move around very much, uh, creating these disgusting emissions, uh, and that we, we live in a like a more feudal economy. Well, I don't think many people want that. Um, Alexandros, uh, Diana, please, if you want to come back on that, um, I will. Uh, I will read your comment. Um, Alexandros, uh, the, the biggest sales by far uh, of electric vehicles are in China. This is largely thanks to government subsidies. In China, the same Tesla three that costs forty four thousand pounds. Fun fact, Alexandros. <laughs> Uh, Paul McCord asks, um, a question I'd like to ask is, why do the eco-fascists concentrate on demonising CO2, which can be converted to oxygen and carbon via photosynthesis, instead of any other poisonous byproduct from fuel? I think that's a great question, Paul. Yes, it goes to the, the heart of the matter, uh, CO2. The, the, the core belief of the climate cultists is that CO2 is the thermostat on climate. Well, it isn't. Uh, it's a shame that Piers Corbyn isn't here to answer this, uh, this comment. Uh, Piers is the real expert. Um, but I can tell you what he would have said. It is that CO2, we need more of it, not less. CO2 is the gas of life. It's what makes things green, what makes things grow. And it, there is an association with warming, but it's not what they tell us it is. It's not CO2 that causes the warming. The CO2 levels rise after warming, after warming, as a consequence of warming not as a cause. This is the, the core of the matter. And if, if, if serious scientists have made this point time and time again, but they are ignored because there is such massive vested interests now in masking the real science. Mm, I, think the point, I think the point that needs to be made um, is that weather records or temperature records only began um, in the 1800s after the Little Ice Age. Um, and um, so, of course, when we've just been through a Little Ice Age, the world is going to warm up, isn't it? The climate is going to get warmer. Um, so the question is, um, what were the temperatures before the Little Ice Age? So in actual fact, we haven't got global warming. We're just warming up after an ice age. Um, I was listening to, uh, I think it was Redacted last night, uh, is a news program on um, on YouTube. It's a, it's a really good program, uh, nightly politics program. And they were talking um, about this very subject and they had a clip on from an Australian emeritus professor in um, um 
geology. And he was saying uh, that uh, he was making this exact point that there was a, a little ice age. So that when people say there's global warming, the question to ask is, when from? When are you talking from? What, what period in, in our world are you talking from? Um, because as far as he's concerned, you know, the world has been a lot hotter. I mean, in the time of the dinosaurs, CO2 was something like 2 million parts per um, whatever, per, per thousand or something like that. Don't quote me on that. Um, I, I need to look up the figures again. But it was huge. It was absolutely huge. Um, and the the you know, it, the world was very lush and very green. Um, and if we reduce CO2 to zero, then our plants are going to die. Um, you know, we, we won't be able to, to farm. Um, we'll have less growth in crops and it's going to affect all of that, all our food and uh, and everything. Um, you know, CO, CO, as you said, Peter, CO2 is the gas of life. Um, it's what it's what we need to to make plants grow. And nature is a fantastic thing. Um, the more greener we have, greenery we have, um, the more photosynthesis we have and the plants and the trees will take out um, of the atmosphere all of this uh, the pollution they will soak up the pollution and they will turn it into um, clean fresh air for us um, let's see if there's any more uh, comments uh, before we wind up Peter um, there is no institution in the UK that hasn't been corporate captured absolutely agree with you there Tiggs uh, we're too used to our governments working against us in favour of bribes from the rich to exploit and extort us uh, that the reasonable, decent, harmonious idea that Diana is talking about is scoffed at. Um, climate is always changing. We are carbon-based life forms. The carbon footprint, the criminally insane elitists squatting on top of the food chain want to eradicate ours. Absolutely agree. Well, thank you. For, can, can I just ask our audience um, what they think uh, about net zero? Um, if you think we should have a referendum on net zero, can you put a one in the chat? If you are happy to go ahead with the net zero um, targets of 2050, then put a two in the chat. Let's just have a, a straw poll here of uh, what people are thinking. So put a one in the chat if you want a referendum and put a two in the chat if you um, want to continue with the government's targets. So Peter, whilst people are, uh, are doing that in the chat, um, can you, uh, would you like to sort of wrap up um our conversation this evening and um you know what we should do yeah yes well I, you 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 can't escape a discussion about the science if the echo fanatics have got it right and co2 is uh the menace and it's the thermostat of, of the world and if it's also true that human beings uh, generate most of the CO2, then uh, they would have a point. But it's all fairy tales. None of this is actually true. It's not supported by the serious science. I'm afraid it, that in the current debate, 
there's a, a refusal to deal with these basic points. Uh, Sunak, when he was presenting his concessions to common sense, uh, was, was anxious to put distance between himself and people like me. So we, they don't even want to have a discussion about it. It's taboo, taboo to talk about the science, just as it was during the, the COVID hysteria. Taboo to make these, these points that the system of beliefs, they are religion, they owe more to religion. It's a cult more than it's a, a scientific uh, belief. Um, and therefore, when you're dealing with people uh, like this, we have to resort to popular power. Now, referendums have their pros and, and cons. They're not always uh, a good way to take decisions. But when the people are given no choice, when your only choice is green, greener, or greenest, or more lockdown, less, a little bit less lockdown, or a medium amount of lockdown, that is no choice. The democratic system is broken on all the key issues. There is no discussion about foreign policy, about the war in Ukraine. You can have war, more war, or most war. You can't have no war. None of the political parties are offering any choice on net zero, on Ukraine, or on uh, health care. Therefore, we have to grab power if possible. And one way to do it is by a referendum. Well, just having a look in the chat there, it's it's very mixed, to be honest. Uh, I thought we'd have a lot of ones in there, people wanting to have their say um, in this net zero um, issue. Um, there's a few couple of ones, there's a couple of twos and other people saying neither. It's all misleading. It's masking the science. We need more debate. Um, we need a socialist economy to deal with climate and environmental crises. Um, so, yeah, all, all very different. Um, so I think really what we need to be doing is to carry to be carrying on this debate. And um, if you're in the Workers' Party, then, you know, you can put motions uh, to um, the members, the National Members' Council. Um, we've also got a Congress coming up in December. Um, if you join up before the end of September, then you will be able to vote in the Congress and have your say um, on some of these issues. Um, and I think maybe it's something where we do need to continue the debate, Peter. Um, we need to talk about it more so that people can ask their questions and to fully understand what the issues are um, out there and understand uh, who's telling the truth and uh, who is masking the science behind all of this. So I want to um, wrap things up now. I want to thank everybody in the audience um, that's participated this evening. I do appreciate you all in chat. Um, please share this um, broadcast. Um, as I say, this is just the beginning of the debate. Uh, we can carry on talking about this. Um, and uh, hopefully Chris will be back with us next week for uh, another 
production of Resistance TV. And uh, as I say, I would like to thank you all for joining with us. Thank you so much, Peter, for spending the time with us this evening um, and um, giving us your opinions on this net zero uh, discussion. So thank you all and good night. Thank you.